Hello, I'm Andrew Campy. I'm the editor here at Influence Weekly. It's me. It's only me. I curate every single week. This uh, audio note slash show, I guess, is um, going out to everyone. If you are a free subscriber or a paid subscriber, you're getting this. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Um, I was recounting uh, a few of the podcasts that I've been on over the past actually a few months. Influential's uh, Coffee Conversations has a part one and a part two. Go check that out. Uh, they're based in South Africa. Um, I was also on Sponsored Pod Post um, with Trending Family, uh, where, we, where I talked about metrics. And then I was also on Stay Davies' podcast. It's the same podcast that the episode before was Rand Fishkin of Moz. So I feel incredibly uh, honored to be on that podcast. Um, and you know what? This year will probably bring a few more podcasts. If you have a podcast and you want to interview me for some reason, uh, feel free. I'm, I'm happy to share um, you know what I've learned in the industry. In fact, that's what this, uh, this is about. So you're going to sit here and listen to me rant and rave about the industry. Um, I included some show notes in the, um, um, in, in the email. So I'll be following along that sort of line. Um, and I just want to explain a little bit of what I'm going about to do. It's, it's not every single day that I get to talk generally. Like I'm usually talking to someone about something specific, like a question they have or answering sort of some, um, you know, overstating question. But this is, this is for me to share with you the kinds of conversations I'm having and the kinds of things that are just in the zeitgeist right at this moment. This is early 2020. We are about to see one of the biggest um, election cycles of our lifetime. The Olympics are this year. There's, um, we're literally in the middle of a coronavirus scandal. Um, there is, you know, major things happening. And influencers and influencer marketing is part of it all. Influencer marketing, we're, we're right at this moment at peak influencer marketing. If you look at Google Trends and the, the amount of time that's been um, searched for, it just continues to go up and to the right. There are a couple spikes, but just generally speaking, more and more people are interested in influencer marketing. And so this com this audio note and show is going to be very meta. It's going to be very general. It is a composite of all of the conversations I've had recently. Um, and these conversations, while some are extremely private in the fact that they're, um, you know, consulting clients or um, they're just people like investors that I, I feel like the, the specific information that they told me um, w will not be released publicly. Um, even though I'm not a journalist by trade, uh, I've become an ad hoc journalist by continually curating and cultivating the conversations in this industry. Uh, we're well past two years. I celebrated two years of this newsletter in uh, December, early December of last year, 2019. Um, and now, you know, two years in, uh, I have seen a lot of, uh, at least in the last two years, some trends and fads come and go and some conversations sort of continue on well past their, their, their meaning has, has left the building. Um, but I even want to touch on those and there are good things and bad things happening in the industry. 
I, I will tell you my biases because I think a as a listener, as a reader, as someone in this industry, also I think you deserve to know what filter I'm com- I'm sending you all this information from, um, and and you can then judge you know my uh, theories and my judgment through that filter, right? We all have biases. Um, we all. Uh, should acknowledge them and check them, you know, check, you know, that we're in a privileged space. We we are working at a subset of a subset of an industry, right? We we are working in marketing, but we're working in the influencer marketing industry, right? And by all means, this might not even be an industry. In, there, there's something uh, sort of at the end that I'll say, but, you know, I'll, I'll spoil that right now for you, is that influencer marketing might actually be pervasive into every single part of marketing that could or it does exist now um and the fortunate part is that that means it will just continue to grow without abandon taking up a larger percentage of the whole entire marketing industry which right now i think the total marketing and this is just like from a simple google search total marketing spend across the entire world was like 560 billion dollars and like if influencer marketing is a is like a standard part of it, uh, you're talking about a fifty six billion dollar industry. If it's only ten percent of the spend, right? If you're spending, you know, some of your budget on technology to do influencer marketing, on influencers, on personnel, um, and you're spending, generally speaking, ten percent of your marketing budget, and everybody's doing it, then that is a fifty six billion dollar industry. And I think influencer marketing is anywhere between a five and $10 billion industry, depending on who you talk to and which kind of, um, what kind of metric you're looking at to, to judge what is influencer marketing. But we could be really sitting on an, an existing market right now that is a $56 billion industry right now with growth in mind of, you know, 20 to 40% growth year over year, depending on, you know, how much positive news comes out and also what percentage spending right that's marketing part of marketing is advertising and there is a incredibly large size advertise paid advertising budget which influencer marketing technically doesn't really take any paid advertising budget it's sort of other kinds of budgets but if you start moving paid advertising not from Facebook, not from Google, but using that to advertise maybe influencer content, you know, then that could be considered part of influencer marketing. And we could be, you know, within the next five years, we could be talking about a $50 billion industry unequivocally, right? Like right now I'm, I'm sort of just giving you that number of $56 billion as like a pie in the sky. Like, sure. If we include a lot of other extraneous things that may be referred to as influencer marketing, um, and so, you know, that's my bias is that I think we're sitting on a $50 billion industry right now, and that's going to grow to uh, $100, 200000000000 billion if we, if we play our cards correctly, right? If, if we can get rid of a lot of the uh, extraneous uh, negative biases in this industry. Um, one of also my own biases is that the work that I did um, when I did work in an agency was very much about pricing and anal- analytics. So I care about the data. I care about the real reality of the numbers. Um, the three etho- editorial ethos that my newsletter consists of is this, is um, 
one, every article needs to be positive or a net positive for the industry. So many articles are, are, are purposefully evocative towards and negatively negative emotions towards influencers, such as an influencer got arrested for X. Those articles don't belong and will not be seen or shown in my newsletter. Again, that is my bias. I am for the industry. Um, anything that's net net positive also, and I mean that very specifically, because there are some things that like, hey, this something happened, you know, with an influencer or because of influencer marketing, some bad thing like uh, there was a very good outbreak of um, better help was doing was ra- was running ads and influencers were creating content around mental health and honestly like there is a question of like are they doing this content because they have health problems or are they doing this con- or to overcome health problems or mental health problems or are they doing this because of a brand deal that's a good question the answer is Obviously, they're not doing it just because of the brand deal. They're using that brand deal to, um, you know, take that moment to create something that might not actually be very um, palatable to their audience. But because they have the brand deal, they know like, oh, I'm getting paid for this. I have a a, a little bit of slack to, to create something that might not get the normal reach and not be the fun and happy thing. You know, let's talk like real like. That is a cre- that's truly a creator of knowing that like they can take that chance and they took that chance um, and got a little backlash for it. But you know, that's what we have to do. We have to take some chances and, and learn from those mistakes. And at least if there's lessons learned and we can do better uh, as an industry, then I'll include those kinds of articles in my newsletter. Um, another one just very recently, there was like a outcry about public lands and, and sort of over tourism. And I've heard these articles before. And usually the articles sort of stop at the sense of like, stop at the point which they go, this is bad for the environment, or this is bad for these places. And I don't think so. I, I have a long history of working in tourism and hospitality industries. And I don't think t- over tourism is the problem. I think continued over-tourism is a problem. I think if you understand that something is being over-tourist, actually, like, one of the biggest things I did while I was working in the tourism industry was find things that were, oh, aren't, were hidden gems, were truly actually, like, hidden gems within cities that, like, for instance, this is a weird aside, but for instance, I, um, in when I went to Napoli, Naples, there was a restaurant that's featured in Eat, Pray, Love, and that it is extremely packed, like, and and a lot of people go there, but because many people go there, and I don't, I didn't actually particularly like the pizza there, or it was good, it was like very good in the world sense. But for Napoli, there was back better. There was a, there was a you go like ten minutes more walk, and there was a a pizza place that was uh, got first in in a festival, like like it won a prize in. Naples in Italy. So this is the best pizza that won the best award in the best city. Like that's the one you should be going to. Um, and and I actually brought a lot of people there. I, I, I talked about it, ran, ran to and raved about it. Um, so a lot of, you know, the work that I have done in the tourism industry has been like, oh yeah, go and find these actually hidden gems. Um, and you know what? Like that's the real idea right influencers can that's the thing you should learn from right a you should learn as a brand to to sort of talk about these things with the influencers and make sure that what they're doing are sustainable practices and also as an influencer you should understand like maybe you shouldn't point point your finger at the same place everybody else is you know um 
being based in Bali uh, for a few months, you know, seeing the outcry about um, there's a temple. I mean, I've been there once in the past three years. There's a temple that they shoot a, when they shoot a photograph. It's one of the most uh, shared uh, scene <laughs> photos taking place in the island. Um, but when you go there, it's a long line to get there. And it's like, it's a, actually a terrible experience of going there and, and taking that photo when um, being here, you know, thankfully I can point you to the direction of five to 10 other temples that are much, much less traffic and, you know, honestly more interesting culturally. Um, not just a, not just a good photo op and, and actually influencers uniquely are able to point to and pick places that don't aren't easily photographed because they're better creators than normal people. So um, one other bias before I move on is that, um, oh, uh, sorry, the, the editorial ethos of my newsletter is uh, a net positive or positive articles only, data informed. So there needs to be some kind of data like qualitative data, quantitative data, or even empirical data of somebody's experience. If somebody went through something and they talk about it, that's great. If you were just speaking about your opinions and your uh, thoughts on which you know, these things will happen, then I really just need to be, you just need to prove to me that like you have the data that shows this thing is happening. Um, and also the last thing is that every article needs to be insightful. So opinions aren't really actionable. Um, and even this, this particular, um, you know, audio note and article I'm doing right now, uh, is based on what I'm telling you is that based on empirical data, right? These are the conversations that people are having and we're, and I'm going to be talking about the topics that I've had conversations about. So that's the, that's the kind of data I'm talking about. Like, Oh, that's all. And that's not even all of it. That could be one thing. Um, but there's three other, two other categories, right? Qualitative data where you're like, you've asked a bunch of people the question or quantitative data where like you studied X number of posts or um, seeing this thing happening and have an actual data statistic to show. Um, yeah. And I hope, you know, I hope even this <clears throat> long form audio monologue is helpful to you and insightful to a provoke you, provoke you to respond to me with your own thoughts on these topics. Um, Check out, you know, the podcast that I, I reference in the newsletter that I sent you, the email, um, and, you know, get a sense of what you can do. Hopefully, the idea is you can figure out what you can do individually to help get over the fears that people have and also um, research a little bit more about the opportunities that I talk about later in this uh, episode. So thanks so much for listening to me ramble. I, I'm, I'm only... <laughs> I'm only like a third of the way, but it's like 15 minutes in. This is crazy. Um, so one of the topics that I've talked at length about with people is, is the, is influencers. So the term influence, a, the term influencers and B that influencer marketing is actually different than utilizing influencers. I know that sounds crazy because influencer is in the name of influencer marketing, right? But let's uh, let me give you an example. You can create an influencer marketing campaign that doesn't utilize specifically 
people who have a large social social media following. For instance, you can actually get a product into the hands of the decision makers, which could potentially not be social media stars, right? Influencer has been sort of adopted as uh, another term for blogger or social media um, personality or star or content creator, right? And influencer marketing is just, is like a growth hack. Like it's, it's a, it's a tactic that you can utilize. And one of, you know, most of influencer marketing absolutely does utilize influencers, but I'm just saying that they are two separate concepts, right? Um, influencer, mar- one of the best examples of influencer marketing is the, is one of the very first uses of it where Camel cigarettes was being sold. And the guy who was running this like creative campaign realized that like all New York bartenders gave away free cigarettes. And so he went to every bartender and gave them a carton of Camel cigarettes. And so without any spending money, right, just giving this free product to the people who were quote unquote, the influencers, New York bartenders, you know, 20 years ago, didn't have Twitter accounts, <laughs> didn't exist. Yet that is influencer marketing, right? It is getting into the decision maker, the minds and, and product placement. You know, product placement has been around in movies for 100 years, as long as movies have been around. Um, I would even say, funny enough, like the Michelin Guide is influencer marketing because you're influencing the people who are deciding where to go and where to drive to you're influencing them. You're saying, here's the great places you should drive around. Just, just, you should go to this restaurant from wherever you are in the world and drive there because it's just so good, right? Three Michelin stars. That's what it means means to have three Michelin stars that you just go to that city just for that thing. Um, One Michelin star is like, if you happen to be driving by, go and stop here. Um, You know, so like, Influencer marketing is more of a protocol, and I've have been having this discussion with a lot of people, and it it seems once I dis- declare this to be understandable, no one has really come back at me and said like that's wrong, which which makes me feel wrong, which makes me feel like am I is that too broad of a sense? Is that too broad of like an idea? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on you know the difference between influencers and influencer marketing. If you have any thoughts, if you have any examples, you know, of great influencer marketing campaigns that didn't exist on social media, um, that would be even wonderful. Then, um, and you know what, that then tends to lead into a discussion of where the market is going and why, you know, I believe that, you know, it could potentially already be a $50 billion industry because you can do influencer marketing in service to any other part of marketing right you can say you know top of the funnel brand awareness yeah let's go use some social media stars but if you also want to go not even bottom of the funnel to sales but beyond the funnel right to hey what which of our existing customers are the most influential to buy again right And, and i don't even mean like there's companies like woolly that are um putting out like help you figure out which customers are already social media stars and there's some technology you can use to get there. But I mean, like, are you doing enough customer re-engagement and, and, and picking out which, like, using AI or some, you know, some technology to figure out what customers can buy again? And, and then 
working towards influencing them, right? To buy again, either um, like guides on how to use your product more. Um, this this goes into like um, recipe books for you know Betty Crocker recipe books are like influencer marketing, but for customer reengagement, like once you start using our product, here's how you can use it a lot, right? Um, and that's where you get into like brand ambassador programs or even customer programs. Like I think. I have a list of well over th- like 30 of the top 250 D2C brands have an influencer program, right? So they just send you free product. And that honestly means like the, and it's on their own website. That means that that influencer has to have already like that, that product, right? And use it, right? There is no, subs- there's no reason for that influencer to, to write about it, except if they like it, right? How do you get your product into the hands of people who like it and want to buy it more, right? That's a big question. Um, and so, you know, that, again, that gets me into the idea of like influencer marketing is more of a market or a protocol that exists in marketing, not necessarily an industry that is codified and commoditized. Um, we have a lot of examples of influencer marketing across the entire sales funnel. Um, and the same could be said about content marketing, event marketing, right? Do you do events for just your customers or do you events for brand awareness? You know? All types of, of marketing, social media marketing is probably is, a is way bigger than than influencer marketing. But those are all owned channels, right? And influencer marketing and a brand's owned channels can work hand in hand. And in fact, once they work together, they're much better together than separate. So influencer marketing is pervasive across the entire marketing spectrum, into even advertising. Like uh, right now, I'm seeing a um, at least reading articles for the newsletter. Whitelisting and dark posts are are gaining ground because unequivocally, every every time I've seen a, a uh, an article about this, uh, organic uh, not organic, but influencer content outperforms brands own content when used as an ad. So in the same medium, just as a paid ad, influencer content is outperforming uh, brands own ads. And this is, you know, this sounds like a very simple idea, right? But if it's unequivocally always doing it, then why, why are you running unoptimized ads when you want to optimize your ad spend? And like when you want to optimize it with a little bit of content, you know, creation from influencers and then a little bit of ingenuity from a creative agency and now you're running you know well well optimized the best ads you can possibly pay to for right um and to get let, let me just jump to the next category because i want to get through this within a half hour or 45 minutes um the next the big thing one of the biggest things of 2019 that has a little bit faded, and I believe it's based on my biases because I don't read a lot of the negative uh, articles. Actually, sorry, I do read them. I just don't count them very highly. Um, but the three things that were the biggest news and the biggest like engaging evocative things of 2019, actually 2018 to 2019, were fakes. Like, How many fake followers do you have? Frauds, like fraudulent influencer marketing and fraudulent influencers and then brand safety. Like, how can you be safe, right? The the beginning of 2019, one of the biggest headlines was a couple of influencers or creators that were just getting hammered for like terrible things they were doing, right? And like, how can your brand be safe? And then now, actually, very recently, you know, Casper came out in their SEC, SEC filing and said, you know, one of our risks is that influencers you know, have other lives, right? An influencer we worked with may have 
may create content for anyone else or may, may create bad content later or anti-Semitic content or, you know, any other content that like it looks down upon that influencer and because we worked with them, we have a relationship with them. That, the funny thing is people really blew that out of the water and said influencer marketing is terrible or influencers are terrible to use because they're risky. But that's like saying, you know, hey, like we've used billboard marketing in the past and one of our there could potentially be a billboard that falls down and 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 crushes a car and then there's going to be pictures of our ad crushing a car right like it that could potentially happen that is a potential risk obviously it's not a high probability risk um and and i i mean most influencers most professional working good info, working influencers are good right the the vast majority of influencers and creators are just like sharing information and creating great content in a positive way and, and almost can't be controversial. It's like, it, it, it's like, it's just funny that controversial YouTubers get in trouble for being controversial. Like last year, like 2019, there was a problem with uh, a, um, Jake Paul and Logan Paul's content. But like, if you watch their content for two years, you'd be like, what's wrong with these people? You'd already, <laughs> most people hate them. So like, this is, it, it was, it's a funny over leverage. I think there just was too much talked about. That's why I'm grouping all three of these together as a topic that has pretty much faded because of the next topic, technology. We have technology now to quickly figure out engagement rate to quickly figure out you know are these real comments and also just as humans and if you've heard of this for the last 18 months of you know brand safety frauds and fakes you now know what to do to figure it out so you can see like oh you know now it's engagement rate will always go down be down on average across the entire board because you're looking at a momentary number versus a cumulative number of followers so Social media actually has a problem of falling engagement rate across the board. So just understand your benchmark. Like a year ago or two two years ago, anyone you worked with, you probably needed over 3% engagement rate to understand they were above average. And now anything above like 2.5% is above average. Right? And also, even if it's – and that's on Instagram alone. They're, they're like YouTube has double or triple the amount of engagements and, and Facebook and Twitter have like half, half as much, right? Like there are levels on each of these um, categories and also understand that just like by their very nature, larger creators that have over a million followers on any platform are just in a different world by engagement rate numbers. You cannot compare the engagement rate of someone who has 10,000 followers that has, oh, 10% engagement rate to like, oh, you have someone who has a million followers and their engagement rate is 1%. It's like, you cannot just say, oh, the micro-influencer is better. That is actually not true in any way. Um, engagement rate should really be used to differ between two people or all for all other factors equal. Right. That is like the missing uh, discussion point across the last few years in influencer marketing is these engagement rates and these metrics are not used to unequivocally rate people. It's to figure out like of all of these metrics, if you are equal, which ones are you not equal on and which ones should you overly index for, which is, you know, yeah, you should look for a high engagement rate because they're just an interesting person, but you can usually also tell that people with high engagement rates have a certain particular type of content. And like, 
you may not want to work with that person if you're over optimizing your campaign for content. If you just need great content, you may work with micro influencers because they're just good. They're not better creators. They're just good creators. But you also might want to work with them with a mega star because they got that way because they do great content. They absolutely unequivocally know what their audience likes and loves and they built a great audience and a big audience. You know, um, I think this version of the world we live in now where micro influencers are all the rage is a bit unrealistic. Like you're, you're talking about using technology to get the most amount of people involved. And that is one part of influencer marketing, right? There's many different flavors. It's pervasive in every single uh, part of marketing and technology is only going to aid this. Um, I've seen at least in my work, of analyzing and seeing, you know, where technology is going in this industry. I've seen it hit every part of the industry, right? In discovering influencers, engaging with influencers, how to do mass messaging versus like how do you, but also getting, using technology to get out of the way, right? Of, of, of people, right? How do we find the right person to talk to? Um, but then also how do we manage a campaign? I was using Google Sheets, you know, two, three years, four years ago, and people are still, most of the industry runs on Google Sheets right now. Um, That is one of the biggest opportunities in this industry right now is just using technology to um, not get get humans out of the way, but to get technology out of the way of humans, right? Like to get, I don't know if that makes sense at all. Um, And then same with technology as we do more and more um, as we do more campaigns and technology helps us, there is a human element of, of legal compliance. I've had some wonderful conversations with lawyers, which sounds, sounds really funny. Like you would not think I had a wonderful conversation with a lawyer, but yeah, I've, I have lawyers in my life and, and I'm thinking of three different lawyers right now that I've had a variety of different conversations with, and they've all been wonderful. Like lawyers are still human. And they want to like work for whoever they're working for, right? Um, there are some lawyers in the world who work for creators. There are some lawyers in the world who work for brands. There are some lawyers who work for agencies. Whoever they're working for is who they're going to look for their best interests, right? Influencers, unfortunately, and creators don't have the means nor the um, ability to hire influencers. If you don't, have a lawyer and can't afford one and you are in serious legal trouble i honestly recommend going to new media rights in california if you're in california go to newmediarights.org check them out they will help you even if they can't physically help you they have a ton of information they've been working on creators behalf for a very long time um if you're in any other state they can at least recommend who to talk to and you will find if you reach out to the right people feel free to reach out to me you will find someone to help you. I can't help you legally, but I will do my best. I will post on LinkedIn asking for your state and who can represent you pro bono. Or if if you feel like you have been wronged in some way, um, like your content has been stolen, um, you know, a lawyer might not even be able to help you in that case. It might be something like Superbam, uh, who are helping YouTubers find their content and monetize it. Um, if you are on TikTok and your content is being ripped off. Go check out Superbam. I'm not endorsing them, but I'm just letting you know that they exist and that there's help out there for people who are under 
funded, right? People who don't have lawyers on staff, who are exploited by companies stealing content, right? If it is not a part of your contract that you license your content to a brand to use, then they cannot use it. Um, Pop Sugar got in trouble for this. And thankfully, I have covered these things in the past. I am not a lawyer. I cannot give legal advice, but I know a lawyer. And he can give you legal advice. Or she can. There are there are many different types of lawyers for de- many different things. I'm getting really incensed about this because not a single person should be marginalized or disempowered because they just don't know that help is available. Um, so please, feel free. If you know someone who's being taken advantage of or you are being taken advantage of, at least reach out to me. And, and I will at least, you know, post on LinkedIn if anyone can help you in your state or direct you to newmeteorites.org. Go to them first. Um, they probably hate this because they're a pro bono. They, they can't take on every case, but they have taken on many cases that have um, gone to court. They have, they have uh, made laws in the past. They have given their, their thoughts to laws to protect creators. Um, and, and they have lots of interesting stuff going on. And, and the last thing I will talk about, which is something I have talked about throughout this entire conversation, um, is uh, what, what is, you know, what is the future, uh, future of uh, influencer marketing? And I think that's the, uh, I think that's the, the, that there are antidotes to a lot of the bad things that are happening. And that it could be part that influencer marketing could be part of every inf- every part of marketing. Um, the antidote to you know fakes, frauds, brand safety, disempowerment of of influencers are is the structure of influencer marketing, which is the campaign. You know you have individual influencers, and brands can work individually with influencers, but truly, the best power the biggest power and the best work I've seen in influencer marketing has been campaigns, right? When, when there is a very creative usage of influencers for a brand and their purpose, right? They have KPIs, key performance indicators that they must get to. They have a specific bias towards what they need and they want to optimize for some individual thing like views or sales or brand lift. Um, you know, some of these are, are, are truly metrics that you can um, figure out or some like brand lift is something that like you will never, you know, as an influencer or even as an agency, you'll never know, you know, the total sales of, of Hershey's and you're doing a campaign for Hershey's and you know, like their, their CMO just needs to see brand lift year over year. And you need to over-index like last year, they didn't use influence marketing this year they do. And all you need to do is beat last year's, growth. <laughs> you know, you might not have all of the information, but you should at least understand that that's what they are measuring. And if if CMOs and marketers and brands can be clear to influencer marketing agencies of what their KPI is, then we're only going to see successful campaigns, right? That's what we're going to share, or I'm going to share in Influence Weekly, a successful one to share with you what's working. And it's going to be part of every single part of, from, of marketing, from advertising to content marketing to uh, experiential marketing to you know social media marketing. Like a brand's own voice can be augmented by influencers, and influencer marketing is is 
the future of marketing, right? And is the present of marketing, perhaps. Um, and I think the antidote to all of the bad things are a very good creative campaign. Again, that's my bias. That's my opinion. Um, that doesn't mean it's in-house or out of house, right? I think it, last I checked, like it was pretty much 50, 50, uh, in-house influencer marketing versus, uh, outsourced. And we're talking like there's, you know, a thousand agencies in the world. Right. And I know most of them and I have them listed on a list somewhere. Um, and you know, the antidote to all of these bad things that are influencer marketing, right? This influencer got arrested for this is great campaigns. Like, really good people working for really cool brands or things like, you know, you would never have thought that the biggest cause marketing um, of last year would be an influencer led campaign for trees, right? Mr. Beast got 600 YouTubers to raise $20 million and just happened to work with Arbor Day foundation. Um, you know, the, there are products out there that are influencers are creating themselves. They don't need brands to come and say like, promote our product from my perspective i've seen that influencers or creators are only making like 20 percent of their revenue generally speak very generally speaking 20 percent of their revenue from brand deals um we are we have ad revenue places like youtube twitch you have donations you have memberships you have you know things like patreon that can provide you some income plus adsense plus Yes, you can do a couple brand deals. You can sell your own products. You can white white label products. You can sell your own coffee, Akira Coffee. I'm really excited about influencer marketing, and I wanted to put this together. And thank you for listening to this whole thing, because I just want to share, you know, what are the conversations that I'm having, and I want to have more conversations. So if you're listening to this, and you have um, time in your schedule, then email me hi at influenceweekly.co, and let's book an hour. Let's have a conversation. Um, if you if you tell me at the beginning, you know that you want the conversation to be public, I will write something about it. If uh, you don't want it to be public, then I'll just leave it to. I won't take. <laughs> I will take notes, but I won't uh, give away any of your trade secrets. Um, happy to uh, share with you. You know any individual companies that are doing good work that you that I think you should partner with. Um, and if I know any creators that are doing really amazing work, I'm happy to share that with you as well. If you're an influencer as well, I'm happy to help you in any way possible. Again, I've given you a lot of reasons to reach out. Please do. Um, and please go listen to the podcast that I've been on. If you like metrics, go to the sponsored po post podcast. If you want to hear more about the industry, go to stay Davies podcast. Um, Influential's Coffee Conversations from South Africa was a wonderful chat, and they have a lot of uh, good um, good ideas and good theories over in South Africa. And they are one of very few agencies working in, in South Africa. At one point, I thought there were like five separate agencies, and, and they were all the leading one, but they're like half of them are part of one group of um, ad groups. So really interesting stuff going on in the industry. Is it fragmented? Hell yeah. Will there be consolidation? Yeah, to some degree. Um, will there be more people in the industry this year than last year? Yes. And so let's all be better than those of them who are just entering the industry next year. Let's all learn from our mistakes from the last few years and enjoy. Uh, thank you so much for keeping with me and, and listening. Um, feel free 
at any point to email me, hi, at influenceweekly.co. That's C-O and Influence Weekly, no R in all of that. Hi, at influenceweekly.co. There is no R whatsoever in all of Influence Weekly. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Bye.